Thanks for joining us for the City Church Podcast. More information on City Church is available at www.ourcitychurch.org. So welcome everybody. You know, if you've been around, we finished a nice long series on the book of Colossians called Matchless and uh, really enjoyed that series. It was a blessing. I felt like God did a lot in our community through that last week. Um, I shared with you that I wanted to take just a couple weeks and, and do some course corrections, some things that I saw in our community that I wanted to specifically address that didn't fit into some, you know, uh, series, but, um, but really felt like God would have us address these specific things. And so last week, we talked about hunger for God. And were you blessed by that? Did God challenge your heart in that? Good. Yeah, me too. Me too. Me too. Adam was challenged. Awesome. Everybody else need to go listen to the podcast seven or eight times. But, um, but this week, um, we're going to take on a different topic. So if you have a Bible, go to John chapter one. John chapter one. If not, it'll be on the screen. John chapter 1, I'm going to read the first four verses in the Gospel of John. If you've been around church, you've probably heard these words before. There is a whole lot here, okay? And so I am not unpacking everything that this verse entails. I'm just going to deal with a couple of specific issues today. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. I want to talk to you today on the topic of marriage, dating, and singleness. Let's pray. (laughs) Oh, let's pray. God, we thank you that you're here today. We thank you that your presence is here. We thank you that your glory is here. God, I pray that today would be a day of real revelation and freedom. Lord, in the areas where this community is confused regarding marriage, regarding dating, regarding singleness, I pray that you would untangle the spider web of confusion. I pray that this would be a divine course correction so that we could get on with transforming this city for your glory. Lord, I pray your blessing and your favor upon this time. Jesus, we all acknowledge together, wherever stage of life we're in, that we need you. And so, Lord, we don't want to hear from man today. We want to hear the voice of Jesus. And so I pray, God, that you would speak the word of God specifically and uniquely and only the way that you can to each of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Recently, I was preparing for a, uh, a retreat that we're doing, a team retreat, and I decided to do a, one of those kind of like gift personality profile deals, one of the Myers-Briggs deals. You guys ever done those? Have you ever done one of those before? Yeah, a number of us have, you know. And so I'm doing them all, you know, and, and you know, it asks you a series of questions, and there's pink questions and light green questions and yellow questions and blue questions and all these different questions throughout this thing. And I'm, I'm kind of going through and going through and going through, you know, just kind of pumping through the questions. And, and, uh, and at the end, you know, it kind of spits out this page of information that tells you all the different specifics about who you are. You know what I'm talking about? It's the key, right? And the key kind of tells you, well, the yellow meant this and the orange meant that and and um and so you know it 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 outlines for you some specifics about your personality about your particular gifts and uh you know that last page there sort of it gives you a name i'm not gonna tell you what my name was but um it gives you a name and then it and then it gives you uh you know kind of some specifics about your personality and for me it, it happened to be pretty accurate you know and i was interested not in the questions that it asked but more the last page that key because that key see allows me to interpret all the other questions in a very helpful manner. Before I looked at the key at the end, all those yellow questions and red questions and orange questions didn't mean a whole lot at all, right? But when I looked at it through the lens of the key, 
Now those yellow questions and red questions and blue questions and pink questions made sense to spit out something that was specific and enabled me to see some unique things about my personality. Well, I would propose to you today that John chapter 1, verse 1, verses 1 through 4 that we just read, it says a whole lot about God. It's a theologically packed statement, and it's all about Jesus. But the thing that I want to emphasize today is this last part where it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. In him was life, and his life was the light of men. In other words, Jesus is life itself. He is the embodiment of all life. He is life, and his life is the reference key that illuminates all the other aspects of life. His life is the light of men. And so as I was kind of processing this and thinking through this, you know, I realized that um, I get a lot, as a pastor and as a, a member of this church, I hear a lot about relationships. In fact, there's always this kind of this buzz about relationships. So when we started praying and thinking as a staff, and one of the key issues that we kind of need to address as a course correction, one of the areas we realized right away was critical to address was this area of marriage, dating, and singleness. Because, um, you know, I've got individuals that come to us and say, listen, I think I need to leave my spouse because my spouse isn't following Jesus and it's just really hard and it's just really tough. And then other people are saying, well, my spouse is a Christian, but, but you know, I, I think we need to get divorced because it's just too hard and then they're really annoying. And, and, you, know, and, and uh, you know, I think the grass would be greener on the other side. I don't want to live my life with this annoying person forever, you know? And I'm serious, I hear this stuff. And then I hear the single person, the guy who says, you know, I'm just frustrated. I just can't meet anybody. I just, I feel like, you know, that supermodel from the Caribbean just, just doesn't seem to show up. I don't know what's going on, but, you know... Um, it's weird. I don't know. It's just, you know, and then the other person that's like, listen, I'm single and, and I'm just checking a guy for a pulse. And if he has a pulse, he's in. I mean, like, it's all good. Like, I just want to find somebody who's breathing. I'm serious. This is what I hear. And so I got one girl trying to marry somebody with a pulse, another guy waiting for the supermodel that, by the way, is never going to come for you, friend. Then another guy that wants to get divorced, another guy that thinks he needs to leave his wife because this, it's craziness. And I realize that if you step back in our culture, there's really no win. If you're alone, you're a freak. If they look at you and they're like, dude, you have no, no, no person in your life, you're, something's wrong with you. But then if you're married, you're in chains, right? If you're married, you're like, oh, pff, you're married, oh, yeah, in the chains, you know. And so either way, you lose. So all that's left is just to kind of randomly hook up with people. And we know, and we've covered this, you can read our, or uh, follow our, our four-part series on sexuality we did last year if you'd like. But uh, we know that that causes wreckage, not only in our culture, but also in your personal life. And so I reflect in light of that on the audacious words of Jesus in John chapter one. And then again, in John chapter six, he says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. I know you probably heard those words before, but I think today what I want to do is allow you to view them in reference to your relational status. Okay, in reference to your relational status. In Psalm 63, he says something like that again. Your steadfast love, this is what the psalmist says, is better than life. Your steadfast love is better than life. So we see this constant emphasis that Jesus is life and his life gives us light, which enables direction, right? I can see where I'm going because of his light, and his life gives us satisfaction, bread, right? I'm the bread of life. And so I want to suggest to you today, okay, and we're going to unpack this for the next few minutes. I want to suggest to you today that satisfaction in Jesus is actually a precursor to genuine satisfaction within relationships. 
I said that satisfaction in Jesus is a precursor. See, the problem with your life right now is not your relational position. You're here, you're mildly disgruntled. I haven't met anyone, Justin. It's frustrating. You don't understand. I'm 32, I need to get married, or I'm 38, or I'm 45, or you don't understand, or I'm 20 and I really want to be married, or you know, I keep dating the wrong people and, and I'm just frustrated about it. Or maybe you're on the other side, I married this guy and he's a real wacko and he's driving me nuts and, and you know, I got to get out of this and I don't know how to do it. And, and what I'm suppo- proposing to you today is that the problem is not your relational position. The problem is your overall perspective. See, in our culture, we've taken this idea of relationship, we've kind of propped it up as a sort of like demigod, thinking that that's going to bring life to us. It's a source of life. But that's a fundamental misunderstanding because the gospel introduces a radically different way of defining life. Look at it in 1 Corinthians 7. I'm going to read it in the message translation. Verse 17, it says it like this. You can write this one down. 1 Corinthians 7, 17 in the message Worth looking at at home. And don't be wishing you were someplace else or with someone else. Where you are right now is God's place for you. Live and obey and love and believe right there. God, not your marital status, defines your life. God, not your marital status, defines your life. Because I want you to see this today because this is brilliant, okay? God's strategy to reach the world is to put the life of Jesus in the heart of every believer. And then that life that's inside of you, remember the Bible says in John 1 that in him was life and his life was the light of men. But it says later in that gospel, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world, right? You are the light of the world. In other words, the strategy is, yes, Jesus is light, but Jesus is going to put that light inside of me, and then that life from Jesus in me radiates out of me, and the light that radiates out of me enables others to see his glory. And here's the real concern that I want to deal with today. My concern is that those of us that are married, right, is because of the issues in your marriage, stay with me today, you are actually forfeiting the divine, unique opportunity to display the glory of Jesus to a broken world. See, you're not seeing the struggles in your marriage as an opportunity to radiate his glory. You're seeing it as an offense to your happiness. I heard someone say this to me, and and it changed the way I looked at marriage and relationship altogether. He said, what if marriage wasn't fundamentally about your happiness? It was fundamentally about your holiness. And what is holiness reflected on the earth? That's glory. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, Isaiah 6. The whole earth is full of what? His glory. In other words, the glory of God is revealed when holiness is seen in his people. So my concern here is that those of us that are married think that when, you know, Justin, I don't have any feelings, right? I don't have any feelings for this person anymore. So how can I continue to love them if I don't have any feelings for them? Well, marriage is about loving when I don't have feelings. And in that choice, I radiate the glory of God to a broken world. Well, what about serving? You know, I keep serving and serving and he keeps being selfish. I keep serving and serving. And, you know, maybe you're a woman here and say, my husband just keeps being selfish. Well, you're serving in the midst of selfishness will actually radiate the glory of God. Well, what do 
are we supposed to do when we have no money? You know, we're freaking out. I'm strangling him. He's strangling me. There's frustration. There's pain. There's difficulty. Don't you realize that that situation is not just a random struggle in your life, but a divine opportunity for you to take hold of it, married person, and radiate the glory of Jesus? My wife got fat. Justin, what am I supposed to do? She put on 837 pounds. You're supposed to starve your eyes and decide that she is altogether beautiful. And regardless of her appearance, you choose to love her. And in doing that, you don't just find happiness, but you also radiate his glory. See, my concern here is that the single person is also forfeiting their opportunity to radiate the glory of God. That if you're here today and you're single, you're distracted playing video games and spending all your money going out for wings. And listen, I'm not against going out for wings, even though I don't like wings, but, but some of you guys that are single are so radically off mission, you're lazy, you're self-focused, you're complaining, and you're just saying, I wish I was married, I want to be married, why isn't anybody wanting to marry me, why can't I find that Caribbean supermodel, what's going on, how is this not working, and you end up being uncommitted, always wishing you were married, forfeiting the divine opportunity given to you through singleness to uniquely radiate the glory of God. And in the midst of your complaining, you lose the point that God has had you in that season for. And so the result is the glory of God doesn't shine through the Christian marriages. The glory of God doesn't shine through the Christian single. And you and I are hanging around eating the candy of the world, not realizing that the bread of life is sitting on our table. That in him was life and his life was light. What am I getting at here? I'm getting at that I want to see a people, you and I, gather around this reality of relational status and decide that it's not our source of joy. That thank you, God, that relationships can be an incredible joy in our life, but our ultimate source of joy is Jesus. Jesus and Jesus. And when the married couple feeds off of Christ, you find real joy in marriage. And when the single person feeds off of life in Christ, you find real contentment in your singleness. So I want to kind of outline three different paths, okay, and hopefully intersect with each of us on different levels. And I realize that there are all different paths in this room. Some of us are married. Some of us are formally married. Some of us had a spouse that died. Some of us were divorced. Some of us have never been married. Some of us have never dated. Some of us have had numerous dating relationships. I know that there's kind of the gamut in the room, and I'm going to try to give you three stories today that will unpack three different roads relationally. Does that sound like fun? The first is going to be my story, all right? My story. Some of you guys know portions of my story. I'm going to let you in on a few other specifics about my story in the area of relationships. As a teenager, 13 years old, I met Jesus and it changed everything. I went from a non-practicing, distracted Catholic who liked girls and basketball to a guy that just wanted to read about Jesus, know about Jesus, follow Jesus, love Jesus, honor Jesus, worship Jesus, and do anything that was with Jesus. At 14 years old, don't laugh at me. This is my story, okay? At 14 years old, you're like, 14, dude? Really? I was a mature 14-year-old, all right? At 14 years old, I dated a girl that I had liked since the fifth grade. Dated her for like a month. And then she dumped me. And I remember, I know, it's hard to believe, it happened. Yeah, Yeah, I know, I know. But I decided in that moment that I was done. 
something shifted in my soul. 14 years old, I was like, I'm done with girls. I'm done pursuing girls as my source of life. From this moment on, I am getting on mission. I want to serve God. I want to follow God. I want to meet my wife while I'm on mission as a missionary. I am all in God. I'm not dating. I'm not pursuing. And then people started to come to me in high school and say, hey, will you date this girl? Will you date that girl? And some of you guys have heard my story. The captain of the cheerleading team came and wanted to date me. And I said, no. And everybody thought I was you know, psychotic. And they said, well, why not? And I, standing by my locker, I said, because... I'm a Christian. <laughs> and they looked at me like, all right, I mean, I'm a Catholic. Who cares? You know, like, what does that mean? You know, like, but I, I had to tell them, listen, my, the direction of my life had changed. And then at 16 years old, at 16 years old, at a going away party for a missionary, I saw her. There she was. Christina Rose Appleby, my beautiful wife, 16 years old, not at the time. And music started playing as soon as I saw her. Angels came in and out of the room. It was amazing. She levitated off the ground, spun around like this, and then I met her. And the song Dream Lover started playing in the background. It was amazing. And, uh, and, and, you know, we started to begin a godly relationship. I took her to the prom. Go ahead and throw that picture up there. There we are. Took her to the prom. Good times. Good times. And then at 20 years old, all right, take the picture off there. At 20 years old, I asked her, Will you go on mission with me? I told her we're going to be poor for a long time. We're going to travel the world. We're going to tell thousands of people about Jesus. What do you think? And she said, yes. She said she wanted to do that. See, Genesis 2 tells us that it's not good for a man to be alone. It's not good for a man to be alone. And this was my reality. It was not good for me to be alone. Not good. I mean, I can't, you know, it's kind of funny right now. uh, My wife is in Florida uh, because her sister-in-law is pregnant and going to have a baby. My wife helps deliver babies. So she's in Florida helping with that with my youngest son. And so like all my friends, they think I'm completely incompetent in all regards to life when my wife is gone. They're like, do you want us to cook you some pasta? You know, like somebody dropped off meatballs and pasta the other day, you know, another person brought cookies and listen, keep it coming. All right. Keep it coming. It's all good. 16 Earl Street, New Haven, Connecticut, 06515, drop it off anytime. But, but the point is that like, it ain't good for me to be alone. Cause I would eat peanut butter and jelly and, uh, you know, um, noodles. And so that would be it. And so I'm, I'm glad that God introduced this complement to my life. See, the scripture says that male and female complement one another and display the glory of God through marriage. And so I felt a clear call to marriage. We dated from the time we were 16 to the time we were 21. Five and a half years got married as virgins in Jesus' name. You can clap about that. So as virgins, 21 years old, my wife and myself got married and now we have sex all the time. And it's awesome. It's really, I mean, listen, single guys, every, no, not every day, but, but a lot, all right, a lot. And it's wonderful. It's really, it's great. And we produce boys. We got boy number three on the road. So, you know, come interview me later. I'll teach you men how to do it. But boys, we make boys. It's awesome. Third, three boys. So um, here's what I realized, that marriage is not eternal, all right? It's not eternal, but it displays something eternal. I want to steal something from uh, a pastor named John Piper. Some of you may know him, great theologian and scholar. He said some very specific things, both about marriage and singleness, about displaying the glory of God. I'm called to be a married man. That's my calling. That's what God put on my life to be. And so uh, there's four things specifically that marriage can display about God's glory better than singleness. It's first to display, number one, to his covenant 
covenant-keeping love between Christ and the church. So marriage is a picture between the love of Christ and the church. And so husband and wife can love each other like Jesus loves the church. And we get to display that through our marriage to a watching world. Another thing that marriage enables us to do is sanctify the couple with the peculiar pains and pleasures of marriage. And so there's a whole lot of pain and there's a whole lot of pleasure in marriage. And we become more like Jesus through the sanctification process that marriage enables. And so the pains of marriage are actually a blessing to enable us to become more like him. And there's some pains in marriage, isn't there, men? No, oh, I'm sitting next to my wife. What do you want me to say right now? <laughs> Golly, Justin. Yeah, the third thing is to, uh, to beget and rear a generation of white-hot worshipers. The family creates a unique opportunity for you to raise kids in love with Jesus. Me and my wife are pretty passionate about this. Go ahead and throw that picture up there. There's my boys, doing it, doing it, just loving Jesus. You can take it down. So beget a, a generation of white hot worshipers. And the fourth thing is to channel good sexual desire into holy paths and transpose it into worshipful foretaste of heaven's pleasures. And so sexuality is a wonderful thing, a great thing, a divine thing, uniquely constructed for this covenant of marriage between a man and a woman. And we express that regularly. And it's great. And so these are some of the beautiful things about Marriage. Now, when a man and a woman come together and are satisfied in Jesus and then seek to serve one another through this covenant of marriage, it is beautiful. Are Joe and Nancy here? Joe and Nancy, raise your hand. Nancy, there's Nancy. Come on, let's just go ahead and just stand up to your feet. I'm just going to embarrass you. Come on, stand up, stand up. With a baby in her hands that's not hers. Some of you guys know Nancy and uh, Joe. We, I had the privilege of going to um, a renewal of their vows a couple weeks ago. 25 years they've been married and they renewed their vows. And I don't think there was a dry eye in that room as those two, Joe surprised her. He didn't, she didn't know it was going to happen. As those two renewed their marriage vows on the spot, it was gorgeous. It was beautiful. Packed room, all these people, their kids around them. And I just watched and, I, you know, I thought to myself, yeah, that's an example. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to be. I mean, I want to do that, you know? So my calling, calling to marriage, calling to channel my sexual passions towards my wife and towards no one else, and a calling to glorify Jesus through the unique opportunities of marriage. That's not the only story. Somebody say amen. Not everybody marries their, or finds their wife at 16, right? So I know that that's a unique story. So we're going to take a look at another story today, a story of one of my best friends and the journey that he learned through singleness and then later through marriage. Let's go ahead and run that, uh, that video, and I'll be back with you in a second. So when I, when I was in high school and in college, I had just terrible habits when it came to girls. I really didn't have many girlfriends. I had a few in high school, but really I just, I just hooked up a lot. I mean, I was just a, I was a total player. Um, you know, girls, uh, I just had no respect for them. My freshman year in college, second semester, uh, God got a hold of my life, and um, I remember walking across campus and, and bumping into you know this cute girl that I was that I knew that you know I I'd, I'd talked to her and you know very flirt flirtatious and and uh, and God was right there in the back of my mind saying what's your motive what's your motive you want her to think that you like her uh, you know that nothing's going to happen what, what's your motive why are you even talking to this girl right now why why do you have any of these relationships but they're they're all empty. God being relentless, uh, you know, in my life, really pursuing me in that regard, um, launched me into this season of singleness. I think by the end of that semester, I had one female friend 
literally, and uh, through the rest of college, really didn't have any female friends at all. And uh, it was probably about three or four years later when I felt like you know I'd done a lot of work in my heart, had really done some a lot of hard uh, heart work with God, um, and had been pursuing Jesus on a consistent basis. And I felt like you know what, I'm at the point now where I could I could you know I know how to treat a girl. I felt like. I'd made a lot of progress, and uh, you know, friends and people that tr I trusted said, you know, yeah, I think you're you're in a good place, much better than you used to. I didn't meet anybody. <laughs> it was uh, at that time, you know, I was like, you know, on a almost a, a weekly, if not daily basis, um, you know, arguing with God about this thing. You know, I've been single now for three years, and it felt like uh, felt like an eternity, and and. Um, I didn't know that I was going to be single for another seven before I was going to meet anybody that still wasn't going to be the person I was going to marry. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was really hard. You know, I remember reading reading scripture and, and Paul talks about, I want you, I, I wish that you would be like me. And I said, Paul, I I'm, I can't be like you. I don't have the grace in my life for it. And uh, you know, that's uh, that's just real. You know. Doesn't make it any any different. Jesus still loved me in that season. I, I still loved him. I was pursuing him consistently, and I was praying for my wife, uh, my future wife, on on a on a daily, uh, sometimes more than daily basis. And um, you know, that was a really difficult season. Every I remember every nine months, it felt like it was about the cycle for me. I, I would go from being really content and uh, and happy in my relation in my relationship with Jesus and Jesus alone. All of a sudden, I'd, I'd go to a wedding, and uh, and I'd start to get, you know, uh, feel that thing in my heart, this deep sinking feeling, and uh, or I'd bump into a friend who just had a baby, or you know, somebody else who just met this incredible, uh, incredible girl, or uh, and I just feel this just deep, deep want in my heart and need in my heart for for companionship and and just wanting to know somebody and wanting to be known. I just uh, and you know. There, there was God. I argued with him after about six or seven more years of this. I really didn't have anything new to offer him. Uh, there was no new arguments. There's no. He knew my heart. I, I felt like I had made every single um, uh, appeal that I that I could, and uh, it was just a process of getting to a place uh, of. Of really, I mean, contentment. People say, you know, you can find contentment in Jesus, and you know, that, that's there's a part of that that is absolutely just true, you know. Um, and uh, as cliche as, as as it might sound, it only becomes a cliche if we allow it to become a cliche. Uh, the The truth is, um, you know, even today, I'm now almost three years married, and uh, you know, I love. I have this amazing, beautiful, sweet wife that. Uh, I've never met a girl like her. Uh, to this day, I've still never met another woman like her. Um, and uh, but she still fails me. You know, she's she's human, and I fail her. And and you know, if I'd put all of my effort into just finding this person that's perfect, I, I would probably still be single because nobody's perfect. Um, but at the end of the day, even now, as married. You know, knowing that Jesus is the only thing that's going to sustain me and hold me up is really, um, it's the same thing as when I was single, just knowing that Jesus was that, that person that I could go to.
So uh, Jeremiah's story, you know Jeremiah, some of you guys know him, um, almost 11 years without dating anyone, you know, and really set apart uh, in that season. Now in 1 Corinthians 7, he mentioned it in that uh, little interview there. In 1 Corinthians 7, it covers this topic of marriage and singleness, and I know that there's been some confusion around that passage, so I just want to highlight for you very briefly that when you study that chapter in the Bible, you'll find that verse 26 says, in view of the present distress, and so it's critical to read that passage in view of the present distress. Paul says numerous times that passage, it's better not to marry, it's not wrong to marry, but it's better not to marry. He's not using that as a general phrase for all time for all people. In Instead, he's using that as advice, not from the Lord, but from Paul specifically. He says, I, not the Lord, say this. But in other words, he didn't have a command of Jesus for that, but he instead says it from the Lord, and uh, he encourages people to stay single because of the present distress. Now, we don't know what the present distress was, but historians would tell us it was probably one of two things. There was either intense persecution through the emperor Nero where Christians were being slaughtered and killed on a regular basis and anybody that was married suffered even more painfully or there was an incredible famine that it hit. Both those things happened right around the time that uh, Paul was writing this letter and so in view of the present distress he encourages people to remain single but in verse 7 he does make a specific statement that's important for us to understand. He says it like this, now I wish that all were as I myself am but He's talking about the fact that he's single, but each one, each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. And this tells us something specific, that singleness and marriage are both unique gifts from God that he gives to certain people. And I would even say that he gives to certain people in certain seasons, okay? And so I want to basically give you three categories. The category first would be the person that's called to marriage. The category number two would be the person that's called to marriage but is in an extended season of singleness, okay? So that would be like Jeremiah, you know? The person that is called to marriage but he's in this extended season of singleness. So maybe you feel like God's called you to marry but you've been single for eight years or you've been single for 10 years or you've been single for 15 years or for two years or for whatever your journey is, that's where you find yourself. And then the other other calling is someone that's called to a life of singleness. And it's certain that these things change in their seasons. And the reality is each of us will experience these things at different times in our life. So you may be married for 30 years and then your wife passes away. Or you may be married for, you know, a certain amount of time. And, you know, we don't know. Everybody's story is different. But it's important that... um, Just as marriage, and this is critical today, just as marriage provides unique opportunities to express the glory of God, there is a glory in singleness that is available, that is not available to the married person. And I want to talk about this. Piper goes on to say it like this. He says, it is not a calling, he's speaking about singleness, to extend irresponsible adolescence into your 30s. It's a calling to do what only single men and women in Christ can do in this world, namely to display by the Christ-exalted devotion of your singleness, the truths about Christ and his kingdom that shine more clearly through singleness than through marriage. And he gives us again four. The first one is to display the spiritual nature of God's family that grows from regeneration and faith, not procreation and sex. In other words, God's family grows fundamentally by you hearing the gospel, believing the gospel, and being saved. That's how the real family, the eternal family, grows. And the single person has a unique opportunity to be a father or a mother to people that are not their biological child, just as a married person could do, but they do it uniquely as a single person. 
And this is a critical blessing of singleness. The second thing is to sanctify the single person with the peculiar pains and pleasures of singleness. So there's great pleasures in singleness, and then there's great pains in singleness, and God gives you the opportunity to be sanctified through those. The third thing is to capture more of the single's life for non-domestic ministry that is so desperately needed in the world. I want to be clear about something. There are times where us married men run laps around you single people, and it's shameful. It's shameful. You're given a unique opportunity in singleness that so many of us forfeit away on video games and long nights of movies. What I'm saying to you is if anyone in our community and congregation should be leading the way in prayer meetings, leading the way in evangelism, leading the way in radical generosity, leading the way, your season of singleness provides you a divine opportunity where you're not buying the same things I'm buying for my wife and for my little guys. God gives you that opportunity. Why? So that you can be radically generous to somebody who's not your kid. So that you can show what it means to lead in these areas. And the fourth thing is to magnify the all-satisfying work of Christ that sustains lifelong chastity. In other words, that Jesus is more important than any sexual expression. And whether you find yourself in a season of singleness or a calling of singleness, you have the divine opportunity as a single to express that truth. So let me give you a couple of practical pieces of advice. Before I do, question, what's more spiritual? Is it more spiritual to be married or is it more spiritual to be single? Well, people have debated this for a long time and I'm going to tell you. Just solve it right now. It's most spiritual to be satisfied in Jesus. That's what the answer is. Singleness or marriage is not more or less spiritual to obey God and to be satisfied in him. So let me give you some practical advice briefly. We're going to cover this calling of singleness in just a second, but before we get there, let me give you some practical advice about if you're, if you're here today and you're single, but you feel like in the future you'll be, you're being called to be married at some time. And I you know, kind of glean this from a number of different preachers and pastors and stuff, so I just want to thank all of them that I stole some of this from. Okay, So um, first one, I'm going to give you five today. I'm going to give you five pieces of advice, all right? And we'll go quick through them, all right? Five pieces of advice. If you are single and you want to be married, I encourage you to pay attention for the next seven minutes. Piece of advice number one. Maximize your season of singleness for Jesus. Maximize your season of singleness for Jesus. 1 Corinthians 7 says it like this in verse 32 through 34. I want you to live as free of complications as possible. When you're unmarried, you're free to concentrate on simply pleasing the master. Marriage involves you in all the nuts and bolts of domestic life and in wanting to please your spouse, leading to so many more demands on your attention. The time and energy that married people spend on caring caring and nurturing each other, the unmarried can spend on becoming whole and holy instruments of God. This is a divine gift from the Lord and I need to urge you to maximize this season of singleness. So I want to encourage you to initiate. Be the first to volunteer. I want to to say, just pause real quick, that City Church runs with a ton of sacrificial volunteers, many of whom are single. And you're able to do that because of your singleness. And that's a gift. It's a blessing. Next thing, prepare yourself for marriage now. Prepare yourself for marriage now. I talk to guys all the time who are like addicted to pornography, smoking weed, and want to get married. Friend, Nobody's going to want to marry you. 
It's time to prepare yourself for marriage now. I have no job. I'm, I'm bound in sin. You know, all this stuff. It's time to take all that energy that you're expending on sinful passion and channel it, channel it into the fact that she's a coming. She's a coming. I'm going to find her. She's a coming. And when she comes, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to have a mint in my mouth. I'm going to have actually combed my hair. I'm going to have taken a shower in the last week and a half. I'm going to be ready, right? I'm going to channel my passions into preparing for a wife or for a husband. So those of you that are single, those of you that are married, I want to urge you to channel those passions now into preparation, into preparation. Number three, don't pursue a relationship that has no marriage potential. It's strange that I have to say this, but it happens all the time. Maybe you're in a season of your life where you're like, yeah, I mean, I could get married in 10 years, but I'm in a relationship now. Friend, it's probably not fair for you to be pursuing an aggressive relationship. It's probably not fair for you. Because they're probably not going to wait around 10 years for you. That's generally not going to happen. And so if you're not able to act on marriage in some near future date, it's probably a season for you to embrace singleness, enjoy that singleness, and be focused on Jesus. Or I see people do this all the time. Yeah, you know, I'm dating him, but I'm just dating him because he's fun. As a follower of Jesus, how dare you? How dare you dishonor your brother? Or dishonor your sister in Christ, which is a greater relationship even than marriage, by just taking them and lying to them and leading them on. Don't. Fourth thing, I want to encourage you to create reasonable expectations. Create reasonable expectations. This is probably the one when I deal with, deal with singles that is the most difficult, okay? Um, you know, you've got those first that think that like that have the way too high expectations, right? Way too high expectations. I remember, you know, the, uh, the great prophet John Foreman wrote it like this. I met a man who's looking for perfection. He said he never met a girl who's good enough. His eyes are getting old like they'd love to love again. Such a lonely man. Such a lonely man. Some of us have, you know, uh, this idea that like, well, God is going to blow a trumpet from heaven when I see her. And until that happens, Justin, it ain't going to, I'm not looking. Let me just encourage you. Look right in front of you. Maybe she's in your community group. Maybe you should go to community group to find her. <laughs> Maybe she's in the room right now. Look right in front of you. It's funny how sometimes God brings people just right in front of you. And you overlook the person right in front of you because you have this far off idea that is not even biblical. Friend, here's some questions to ask yourself in your expectations. Is Jesus central in that person's life? Do they love Jesus more than they could ever love me? That's the first thing I was always looking for. Is Jesus central? Is Jesus central? Am I attracted to them? Am I attracted to them? Now, I, granted, there will be days where you will not be attracted to them. That's just part of being human. Do our lives seem to align? Our lives seem to align. Is there a direction in our life that seems to be aligning? You know, one says, you know, I want to live in Uzbekistan. And the other one says, I'm always going to live in Miami. Well, we should talk that through. Is there an alignment in our lives? Is there peace in my soul? From the Holy Spirit, do I sense a peace? And to those around me that counsel me and that I trust, followers of Jesus, do those around me think that this is a good idea? Those that are mature in Christ, do they see this as a good idea? Those are some things you can ask yourself to set some clear expectations. Another thing that uh, I see often is that the, the expectations are way too low, way too low. You know, people say things like, well, listen, um, you know, he believes in God. No. You know, demons believe in God. You don't want to marry a demon, right? That's not enough. They've got to have a burning, fervent passion for Jesus in their lives. 
If you're looking for someone to be married, to marry, I urge you. And this is one that I've, people debate about, and I just want to kick you all in the face a little bit. Do not date anyone who's not fervently following Jesus. Just don't do it. Do not pursue in relationship someone who is not fervently following Jesus. Why would you take the central piece of your life and not have it in alignment with someone that you're going to potentially marry? Unless, of course, he's not the central piece of your life. Right? I want to urge you. And I want to, I want to deal with a couple other things in this section before we wrap up here. I want to encourage men to become a bit more courageous. And I want to encourage you men in the room, single men, to initiate with integrity, okay? Initiate with integrity. This means that you go to someone, Hannah, I'm just kidding, I'm not gonna call you out like that. <laughs> Come up, eligible queen number one. No, just kidding, just kidding. Um, yeah, I'm gonna hear about that. So you go to someone, single, right? I remember the time, you remember this, Melissa? Where Joe was playing bass, we were on the road traveling, and they had just started a relationship, I think, and I just wasn't aware of what status they were at because it was kind of back and forth. They're married now, got a cute kid named Action Jackson. They're cool. But, but at the time, you know, Joe is up on stage, and I said something like, you know, eligible Joe Jacobs, and she was like, <laughs> like fire, <laughs> filled her heart, right? Because, you know, you got to initiate, right? You have to, and I want to encourage, it's not always wrong for women to do this. I'm not saying that, but I just want to encourage men to be men of character and honor your sister by initiating and saying, hey, some of our friends are going out to grab some food. Would you like to come? <laughs> right? Not that hard, right? Just talk to her. Now, this is, there's always the guys that do this wrong, too. The guys that go up to her and say, excuse me, um, hi, my name's Joe. God spoke to me that you're going to be my dream lover forever. Um, would you like to grab some coffee? No, no, too fast, too fast, Okay. You just blew every chance. I'm giving you some... Listen, friend, I found my wife at 16. You should listen to me, all right? (laughs) Listen, that's too fast or too slow. Here's too slow. Hey, would you like to grab some coffee? Sure. Hey, let's text all the time. Hey, would you like to grab some more coffee? Sure. Hey, let's text some more. Hey, would you like to grab some lunch? Hey, I'm still not defining the relationship. Yeah, you're you're cowardly. Friend, that's wrong. It's wrong. If you're going out one-on-one with some girl that's a Christian and she thinks, well, what is he doing? It's your job to tuck in your skirt and tell her, I'm either interested in you or I'm not interested in you. Okay? I want to encourage you. Be courageous. You don't have to tell her, I'm considering you as a marital option in my life. You just have to tell her, listen, listen, um, I'd, I'd like to pursue you. Would you like to get to know me? Would you like to grab some coffee another time? You know? Come on, be smooth, man. Golly. Golly. Five. Create some practical safeguards. This is the last one. Create some practical safeguards, okay? Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart with all vigilance, okay? Create some practical safeguards. I don't care if you're 37 and 39 or 45 and 46 and you're dating. Create some practical safeguards. What does that mean? You should talk about physical boundaries. Justin, that's so immature. Well, then you're going to lead to sin and death, all right? So better off to talk some physical boundaries, okay? you got to talk physical boundaries. And I, as the man, have always felt a responsibility to talk with my wife before she was my wife about, now there's no physical boundaries, amen, but, but about physical boundaries. And to talk to her and say, listen, I'm not going to put my hands around your waist. I'm not going to cuddle you in the dark. I'm not going to. And we talked about those things. And I want to encourage men to have the courage to talk about those things before endless love is playing in the background and the lights are dim. All right? Seriously before, all right? And so uh, create some physical boundaries, create some accountability. One of the things that we did 
and I'm not offering myself, by the way, but at the time, I had my pastor and my girlfriend had my pastor's wife as our accountability partners for the agreements that we had made about our physical boundaries. And we talked about it weekly. Why did we do that? Because we wanted to maintain purity. And I know that for the married couples and stuff, you don't disengage here because you have a kid, maybe, and your kid needs this advice in a few years, or your friend, or your brother, or somebody you're discipling. So this is critical stuff. Remember, 1 Corinthians 17 says that your relational status is not what defines you, but it's God who defines you. Here's what I want to accomplish, friends. Here's why I'm hitting all this stuff. I want to see singles who are satisfied in Christ, honorably pursuing godly relationships by honoring their brother and sister, being clear and specific about their intentions, being humble and genuine one to another, and then getting married to the glory of God if you're called to marriage. The scripture says it's better to be married than to burn. Some of you guys are addicted to all types of sexual sin. You're single. Friend, you're probably not called to a single lifestyle for the rest of your life. So, Discipline yourself towards holiness. Prepare yourself for marriage. Put on some cologne and start looking for an option. All right? That's, that honestly, get married. Have courage and do it. Or if God's called you to a single lifestyle, honor that commitment and display the glory of God through that opportunity that no married person has. A divine opportunity. And so I want to, uh, we've looked at someone that, uh, that spent Uh, very little time as a single. We looked at another person that spent a long time waiting as a single and then was married. I want to talk to you now and introduce you to a dear friend of mine, a man of God that uh, has taught me and showed me so much about Jesus, who's been called as a single for many, many years now. And God's used him supernaturally to do things, and I'm convinced of this, that he could have never accomplished as a married man. But as a single, God has given him divine opportunities to do all types of amazing things for the kingdom of God. You you may have heard of Rock the Sound, which is a, a number of massive concerts and outreaches that went on through um, Connecticut and actually in Massachusetts as well in New York. And um, my friend Chris was one of the guys that organized and oversaw all the things in Rock the Sound. He runs the community coffee house in Danbury that sees people interact with the power of Jesus on a very regular basis. He lives in community with other believers. All things that God uses him in that he would not be able to do as a married man. And as a single, God used him as a supernatural voice Uh, to the people around him. And so uh, I'm going to grab some chairs and uh, I want you to give a massive welcome to my dear friend, Chris Barrett. Come on, put your hands together for Chris. Oh, it feels so good to sit down. Good morning. Can you, is that mic on? Hello. There it is. There it is. Good morning, everyone. So uh, we're going to just jump right in. Is that okay with you guys? Chris, I want to give you a chance to answer just a couple of questions. First, give us a brief description of your journey as a man of God, sensing a call to remain single. Brief. Uh, just, just a little background so you know a little bit about me. I'm 53 years old. I've lived in community since I was 16 years old. Um, I'm adopted. Uh, I attended 12 schools growing up, so relational stability was never like, huge in my life up until I met Christ. Um, that said, you know, I came to a point in my life uh, as I was finishing up college where I was probably not looking very hard at relationships. And I think one of the things that Justin mentioned early on is, is we acquire wounds, and we think that all our serious wounds happen like when we're having serious relationships. I'll just tell you my quickie. 
Sadie Hawkins dance, eighth grade. The girl asks you. Everybody remember that? Khaki pants, nothing better. Yep. And at our particular Sadie Hawkins, there was a marrying Sam who would tie a, a, a yarn around your finger and you'd be married for the night. So I go to the dance with this girl who I liked a lot. Um, she ends up marrying somebody else but asking me to be the best man. Uh, yes, you know what it's like to be an eighth grader to have your heart crushed like that in, in the gymnasium. Um, but you make decisions on the basis of that sort of stuff. If you don't bring that to Christ, you can just say, I'm never going to extend myself in that way again. Um, and it could be a big promise to yourself. It could be a small promise that, that at each wound happens, it kind of builds on that. So I think at the time I made the decision to become somebody who's going to follow singleness, I, I think I did it, as we all do, kind of with a mixed thing, partially with a sense that God was calling me to it, partially with a lot of fear about relationship, and it gave me a way out. Um, I, could, I could kind of hide my fear in, in the context of a godly thing. And as time went by, um, God's good enough, and, and I put that in quotes, that he doesn't let us stay hidden. Uh, he exposes that. And so one of the things that, that happened along the way was I discovered the freedom of being single um, in that my work as a social worker, I started working in a mentoring program, um, which I worked in for 22 years, and I was able to pour into the lives of kids who were fatherless. So a lot of the things that, you know, kind of start stirring inside of you as you get older, like, you know, what's going to be like to have kids? You know, suddenly I had these kids placed in my care. Um, people I was able to pour into their lives, people who I still have contact with now, people who I've been able to help through some of the most difficult portions of their lives. And so some of the things that I think we fear, like if I'm alone and I don't have a family, you know, I'm not going to have that sense of legacy. I'm not going to have that sense of pouring into other people's lives. Well, God gave me this gift. He allowed me to work in a job that I would never have been able to afford to live in if I had a family. <laughs> Uh, because I lived in community, I could afford to take a salary. I, I made $7,800 a year when I first started, um, even though that was in 1984. Um, that probably isn't much more in 19 or 2013 dollars. Yeah. And, and it was tough. It was tough to get by. I, I didn't have a whole lot of things, but I, there was so much joy in the work that I was given to do. I also played in a band called Outpouring at the time, um, part of our community, part of an outreach. So I was free to travel on weekends. I was out every weekend um, being able to minister. So I, I, I watched the people in the band who were married struggle with family yep. and kids and, you know, how do we make this work? And I didn't have to be burdened with that. I could just make my full focus on Christ, on the work that was before me. Um, you know, for those of you who played in bands, you know, it's a good week when, you know, it only costs you $50 to be a part of the band. And, you know, you don't make money. You, you pour money into that ministry. Um, we made millions, Chris. We were I, millionaires. I know, no, you, I'm just kidding. You lost it all on the scratch-off. I did. You to try to double Ooh, it. It's gone. Ah. So that, that's, uh, I guess, something of the background. And, and some of the things that, that Justin's talked about, I think choice is really important. Um, Magical calls don't fall on us, and that's it, and that's yeah. what you do. Um, whether it's marriage, whether it's singleness, every day is a choice. We have to choose to be in that situation fully 
focused on Christ, fully focused on the circumstances that we've been called to be a part of. And when I've done that, it's been a joy. And when I haven't done that, there's always something wrong with the circumstances we're in. Yeah. There's always going to be. That's really good. It's really good. Um, give us a, a, some of the bigger challenges of this journey over the last few years. Uh, give us a few of those. Yeah, um, you can imagine what some of the biggest challenges of that are. Um, I've actually had a couple of women come up to me um, who were interested in me. And, and sometimes I think they're interested in me because I'm somewhat unattainable. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's a strategy, guys. Um, <laughs> But I've actually had people come Bad boy up. with good boy tendencies. That's the way That's you do right. it. I've had women come up to me and say, I'm not asking for a relationship. I just want to have sex with you. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> like, you know, I thought I dreamed of that. But when the time came, I was able to say no. But it wasn't an easy no. I have to say that to you. Um, but the things that I probably struggled the most with along the way were the things I felt like I was giving up, the days when I couldn't focus on the gift. Um, and again, I'll backtrack a little bit. I'm adopted. When, when you come in that situation, there's two, there's two views that most people have. Either you've been chosen by the family that you live with or you've been rejected by the family that you came from. Mm. Um, but that's a choice. That's a choice to view your life um, in, in the light of what God's trying to reveal to you about you've been chosen by him. At the very least, even if nobody else chose you, he's been ch- you've been chosen by him. Um, so you can either look at the blessings of the life before you or you can look at the things you're missing. You know, I'm missing the sex. I'm missing, you know, the companionship. You know, I have no one to come home to, you know, and somehow in bed at night, you know, is the time when you think these are all the things I'd like to process with somebody. And when you're laying in the bed alone, it's a little harder to do that. Um, and then there's the, the whole the family thing, the children. Um, you know, I love kids. I light up when I'm around kids. It's, it's a joy for me. And I'm not doing work with kids right now. And that's hard. I miss that. I miss that experience of, of being. I'm, I'm totally a 53-year-old fourth, fifth grader. I, I, I would really, I love that group, that age group, and love working with kids of that age. Um, but probably the things that I've learned along the way that are the most challenging are either giving your desires unfettered access mm. to everything or doing damage to, to yourself. Kind of, We do violence to ourselves sometimes when we don't think we should feel something. Mm. We beat it down with a stick. You know, we don't we don't bring it before Christ. We don't bring it before our friend, our close friends. We try to deal with it on our own, and somehow um, it becomes a monster when we do that. We beat it down, and we beat it down, and we beat it down, but it still keeps coming at us yeah. um, because that's never the way that Christ intended for us to deal with those things. He wants us to be fully honest with Him, with the people He's given us in our lives, to be able to share those things, to be able to to pray those things through. Um, but it it can be it can be challenging because yeah. um, those monsters do raise their heads at very uh, inappropriate times. See, the world, you know, the culture that we live in would say, listen, if you're married, um, you know, you miss out on spontaneity and freedom, and so you're bound up. And it's the job of the church, those that are married, to show, no, we're not bound up. 
even the times where I'm dying to myself because my wife or my husband is being ungodly, I still get to become more like Christ through that challenge, right? Does that make sense? So we have this divine opportunity as married people to glorify Christ even in the pains of marriage. Now the world on the other side, culture would say, if you're not sexually active all the time, you're not experiencing life. But the single has to come along in Christ and say, no, the reality is that sexual pleasure is not life, but in him is life. And his life was the light of men. There's a greater joy than physical pleasure, and there's a greater freedom than the freedom to go wherever you want when you're in marriage, right? And so it's not about finding a circumstance where you don't lose. You lose things when you're married. You lose things when you're single. The glory of each is to display those losses in such a way that show the all-sufficiency of Jesus. Does that make sense? That's what my heart is longing for. Chris, give us just, uh, just to wrap up here, give us anything you can crystallize that you really feel like God has taught you, and you've mentioned a number of already, but anything that you really feel like God has taught you through this journey over the last few years? Yeah, Justin's touched on a lot of it. Um, sometimes it's for a season, sometimes it's for life. Um, right. But if we don't bring these things before God all the time and lay our lives before him, um, we're always good at talking to God about what's going on in our lives. We, we chatter a lot in our prayer lives, I would imagine. But the, the silent time when we get to listen to what Jesus has to say about who we are, um, to allow our lives to be defined by who he sees us as, not yeah. just how we see ourselves. It doesn't mean he doesn't care about our feelings. He's put desires in us, um, and, and we need to bring those things before him, and we need to speak openly and honestly, as Jeremiah shared in that video, mm. about who we are, about where we're at, about the desires that we have, the things that we want. But then we need to take time to listen, and, that's, and it's hard to listen like that. But ultimately... Our lives are defined by who Jesus sees, not yeah. who we tell him we are. Because um, we are conf- we're convinced that we understand who we are. We're convinced that we know who we are. And to a certain extent, we do. Um, but the way Jesus sees us, you know, our, our view of ourselves changes based on whether we think we did well or didn't do well on a particular day. Whether we're in a good place with, with him or a bad place with him, if our relationships are good or not good. Um, if our job is going well, if our job isn't going well. Um, but Jesus looks at us and he sees the people he's created, the people he loves, the people he was, not that he begrudgingly gave his life for us, but he loves us deeply and longs to be close to us. And he loves us just as much on our bad day as, as on our good, good day. Um, and, and he wants to be able to say to us, you you were worth my dying for. Mm. You don't need to beat yourself up. You don't need to do, do all those things. I've taken care of all that. I love you. Yeah, that's good. It's really good. I wanna, what my goal was today, above all else, is to normalize the different seasons and the call of God in different ways, okay? So some of us are going to be called to married or ma- marriage. Maybe you already are. Maybe you're already married. And you're in that season of marriage. And what I want to tell you is that the challenges you're facing shouldn't be a surprise, okay? They're going to come. And it's those very challenges that give you opportunity to reflect the glory of God. 
All right? And so maybe you're here and you find yourself in a season of singleness with a desire for marriage. Well, that's, a, that's another place that you may find yourself. So one may be married, one may be single, but longing to be married at some time. Let me tell you that you can't miss the divine opportunity you currently have to display the glory of God before you're married in a season of singleness. And that's normal too. There's nothing wrong with you. God will call some of us and lead some of us to that season. All right? And then lastly, God may call you to an extended or a life uh, commitment of singleness. And that's normal too. The Lord does that like Paul, Jesus, some good names on the list, right? And so if God calls you to that, be faithful to it and reflect the glory of God in its fullness through your commitment to singleness. Does this make sense? Let's give, uh, let's give uh, Chris a round of applause. What an honor. What an honor. And um, let's just bow our heads and uh, let's pray and we'll wrap up today. Father, thank you for the divine opportunity to pause in the midst of all the different studies of the scripture and remind ourselves that in him was life and his life was the light of men. That God, you're our bread and that you're our life and you illuminate who we are, God, by knowing who you are. It's in light of you that we find out who we are. Jesus, I pray that these realities would become crystallized in our mind right now. Father, I pray for that married person who I know, God, I get the emails, I hear the conversations that is struggling with their marriage to be faithful, to be consistent in their marriage. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that God, they would right now find a satisfaction and a peace that can only come from Jesus. Father, I pray minister to them right now. If that's you, if you're in a place, I just I believe God is going to usher in his peace right now. That you've been, Justin, I want to give up. I want to bail. I made a wrong decision. Now, maybe it's not so much about your position that's wrong. Maybe it's your perspective. Right now, I want to urge you to run to Christ. Run to Christ right now. And Lord, I want to pray right now for that single who's frustrated like Jeremiah was about the months or the years that have gone by. And God, they're forfeiting the opportunity to show your glory through singleness because they're so concerned about the day they're going to get married. Father, I pray right now that the satisfaction of Jesus would fill their heart, that they would do the practical things that we've talked about, but ultimately that they would make you the center in preparation for the day that you do lead them to marriage, however short or long it may be. And Lord, I pray for that person that feels called to an extended commitment to singleness. God, I pray that all the lies of the world that would try to compromise that call would not compromise it, Jesus, but they would know that you've called them, at least for this season and maybe for their lives. And God, the opportunities that they'll have because of that singleness could not be afforded to them in marriage. And I pray they make full use of it. And Father, I pray your peace would come upon them right now. Holy Spirit, I ask that you'd minister to every person in this room right now. I don't know where your story has led you, but I feel like God wants to just uh, minister to your soul right now. Why don't you just open up your heart to him? Maybe you're newly married and you're just beginning the pains and the pleasures of marriage. Come, Holy Spirit. I felt like as I was praying about this last night, I felt like the Lord was just saying today, and just keep your attitude in a, in a position of worship to Jesus, that there were really some false mindsets about rejection, about identity, about lust, that God really wanted to deal with. Some false mindsets. And something I said today, or something Chris said, or Jeremiah said, pricked something in your heart about a false mindset. Something that you've been believing about yourself or about relationships that are just not true. Let the Lord tear it down right now. 
Holy Spirit, I ask that you would tear those things down right now. That you would mature us as a body and as a church. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Just let him do that right now. Open up your heart to him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just keep an attitude of prayer just for a minute. Listen, if you're here today, and I want to talk to two people specifically. One is you are bleeding in this area of relationships. You're bleeding. Your heart is bleeding. Your soul is bleeding. Maybe from a broken relationship. Maybe from offense of the past. Maybe from frustration for no uh, marriage potential at this time in your life. But your heart is bleeding. We're going to close this service in just a minute. But when we do, we're going to give you an opportunity to receive some prayer. Don't miss this. You might be on the prayer team. Take today off and pray with someone that God would work a miracle in your heart and heal you. If you're here today and you're bleeding in this area of relationships, your soul is hurting, you've gotten your heart crushed, whatever your circumstance may be, I'm not this enough, I'm not that enough, I'm not beautiful enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not whatever, all the lies. God wants to do some healing today and show you that in Christ you're complete. When I dismiss in just a minute, I urge you today, go and respond and pray with one of the prayer counselors and let's believe God for miracles today. The second person I want to talk to is, you're far from God. You're here today and you came, from, came to church, but this whole relational thing is really secondary to the reality that the source and the substance of your life must be Jesus. He is life. And you don't know him. Well, the crazy thing is you can meet him today. You can actually meet God. You can meet him because he's made a way for you to meet him. He came 2,000 years ago as a man, fully God and fully man, and he died on a cross to pay the penalty for the sins that you've committed 2,000 years later. He washed away your sin from the day you were born to the day you die, and all you must do is throw your faith on him and receive the forgiveness of sins and enter into a relationship with him. If you're here today and you're far from God, I want to urge you right now that when we dismiss in just a second, walk up to one of the prayer counselors and say, I need to get right with God. I need to get right with God. It takes some courage to say that, but that decision will absolutely change the course of your life. And they would love to lead you in a prayer of surrender to Jesus. And you can know that your sins are washed away and that you're made right with him. Let's close out in prayer. God, thank you for what you're doing right now. Thank you for what you're saying right now. Thank you for who you're healing right now. We welcome you. We welcome you. I just, I have a real sense. Somebody in this room, you've been divorced, and God's healing you right now. I, maybe even multiple times. God's healing you right now. Thank you, Lord. Those wounds don't have to follow you the rest of your life. Thank you, Lord. If that's you, make sure you respond for prayer today. God's got something great for you. Mm, we love you, God. And we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've been challenged and encouraged by this City Church podcast. Visit City Church at www.ourcitychurch.org.